Amen. 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 Sorry. Um, I hope you guys don't mind. I'm going to take my time today. God has been teaching me something, and it, it aligns with... Sorry, can you turn the, my mic down just a little bit? Um, God has been teaching me something. We, we're, we're living in a society, a, a time of society where we're pushed by fast food, fast internet, fast this, fast that. And now dealing with the pandemic, we want everything now, we want everything instant. And it, it's, it's caused us to, to move too quick. We have an expectation of God, I need it now. I need to hear from you now. I need to move now. Instant, instant. God is God is not that way. And in the scriptures, they're, they're, they say one day to God is a thousand years to us. It's just a comparison of what time is to God. He takes his sweet time. He drags his feet for a reason. But for some reason, we have a tendency to push God's feet. But he said, just wait trust the process i'm pushing i'm slowing i'm moving i'm dragging for a reason and i'm gonna take my time today because god has been teaching me that in prayer there's there's times where i try to push the issue and he just says just wait but when you just sit there in silence you just learn to calm your emotions down learn to calm your ideas your thoughts down you begin to, to hear God. And you stop hearing from yourself. And I, I just, I'm going to take my time. I just want to give you guys a heads up. And I'm so amazed at the timing. Pastor speaking and saying what he is saying because... I've been feeling that in my spirit, and we haven't been talking on that subject. I've been feeling that in my spirit of prayer, of waiting on God. I'm going to get into the word, but there has to be a shifting. There has to be a shifting in us, and we need to slow down. We need to slow ourselves down in order to receive a, a word from God, in order to be changed from God, in order to be moved from God. So today, we're going to be hearing Paul speak to us. He's going to be, we're going to be hearing from him in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Book of Philippians, chapter 3. Paul's going to teach us something very, very interesting today that I have read past this but not have absorbed this this point so the book of philippians chapter 3 i'll be reading verses and i'll be reading um yeah verses 1 through 9 but i'm going to be reading from the new living translation because i love the way this breaks down what paul is saying to the church of philippi so we'll be reading from verse 1 and it says paul is saying whatever happens my dear brothers and sisters Let's pause right there. Whatever happens, right? Whatever happens to you, 
whatever situations you are dealing with, whatever you're being persecuted, you're being, uh, you're being martyred for, for the name of Christ, you're, you're, being, you're being beaten, betrayed by your own people, being betrayed by your country, whatever you're dealing with, sicknesses, health issues, whatever happens, he tells them to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Because there's a much greater cause. There's something much bigger than what is happening right now in the moment. He says to rejoice in the Lord. And then he tells him, I never get tired of telling you these things. Why, why does he not get tired of repeating himself, telling the same thing over and over? I'm constantly telling you this. I'm constantly telling you that. He never gets that way. The reason is because he understands by repeating himself, continually telling them, he said, I do it to safeguard your faith. It's like a shield. It will protect your faith. The continuous reminder because we have our human nature tends to forget things. But he says, I tell you these things. Whatever happens to rejoice in the Lord because it's a safeguard for your faith. And then he goes on, and this is the list of many things he named earlier in this, the book of Philippians. He, this is one thing right here he names. He says, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those people who do evil. Watch out for those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Watch out for those people. And then he goes on to say, for we who worship by the Spirit are those who are truly circumcised. We're worshiped by the Spirit of God. We are the ones that are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We rely on that. Just think about that. Us that follow Christ, we rely on what he has done. We don't rely on the circumcision of the old traditions. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put, conf we put no confidence in human efforts. We rely only on what Christ has done, nothing of our own efforts. Verse 4, he says, Though I could have confidence in my own efforts, if anyone could, if any of you, he's talking to the church, if any of you guys want to have confidence in what you have done, I have, I have confidence as well. And then he goes on to say, indeed, if, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, if you guys think you have it down, I have even more. I have even more confidence than you guys. And he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am a pure blood citizen of Israel. My father's uh, uh, descended a citizen of Israel. My mother's a descendant a citizen of Israel. I'm a pure blood. I meet the, the, the requirements, just the, the bare minimum, the DNA, the genetics. And now he goes on to say that he's a member of Benjamin, a real Hebrew of Hebrew, even if there was one. If there ever was one, he is the pure's blood that there could be. And then he said, I was a member of the Pharisees. He was part of an elite group. He said, I was a Pharisee, not only the Pharisees, but the ones who demanded the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. So although you guys may have confidence in what you do and your efforts, I have even more because not only my DNA, my blood says that I'm a pure bread, I'm pure Israelite, but now I'm part of an elite group of Pharisees that we follow the, the law to the strictest uh, order. We are obedient to the law. 
And then he said, I was so, I was so strict to the law. I obeyed it so much that I was zealous, that I harshly persecuted the church. I murdered the church. I, I, I killed them because I was so zealous. I thought I was doing right by the law. I thought I was doing what the law said. And then he goes on to say, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without flaw. I was, I had my T's crossed, my I's dotted. I had it down. I had it down. And then he said, I, I once, I once thought these things were valuable. I thought they were, I thought they were good. I thought they hold weight. I, I thought they were, they meant something. But then he says, but now I consider the, them worthless. Why? Because of what Christ has done. I thought what I did was valuable. I thought it had some weight. I thought it meant something. But when I consider what Christ has done, it means nothing. And he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For, I, for, for his sake, I discard everything. I throw it away. It means nothing. Everything else, it means nothing. Counting it all as garbage, as worthless, as meaningless as it can be so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law, but rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. Paul is speaking so much to us. Jesus, we come before you, thanking you for this time, thanking you for this moment, for bringing us here together. We thank you, Jesus, for orchestrating this time, this moment. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross that you bared. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for, for loving us so much that you gave us this opportunity for salvation, for newness, a second chance, a fresh, <clears throat> a fresh start of life to reconnect with you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We ask that you would open up, expand our minds to, to be able to understand what you are trying to speak in, in your word today. Open up our ears to hear it, God. Open up our eyes to see it, Jesus. We ask all these things in your mighty, powerful, precious name, Jesus. Amen. Turn to someone next to you, around you, and tell them, zeal the birth of resilience. Make them believe it. Tell them, zeal, the birth of resilient. You may be seated. Zeal, the birth of resilient. God wants to speak to us on the subject today. Zeal, the birth of resilient. What does that mean? Zeal, the birth of resilient. So today, we're going to use Paul as the canvas on which we, we uh, paint the image of what this means. But before we even dive into this, we need to understand what that word zeal means. Zeal. I can give you guys examples of Paul, what he's done, what he's about, scriptures, examples, and all that stuff. And that may make some kind of sense, but it will not hold no weight if you don't understand the meaning. It will have no substance if you don't understand what zeal means. You have to connect the dots. And, and when you take the word zeal for its surface uh, definition, the English definition, it means to have great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an object. So zeal means to be 
enthusiastic, to have energy, to, to pursue something, to be after something, no matter what. That's the English definition. Now, when we look at the Greek definition of what Paul was saying when he said zeal or, or zealous, what it means, it, 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 zeal means to have a fervent mind. Fervent, what does that mean? It means to have or display passion intensely. So what Paul is saying right there, zeal, he, he's saying to have a fervent mind, a made-up mind that is enthusiastic, that's passionate, that will pursue no matter what. Nothing will, be, nothing will persuade you. You will not be easily moved. Nothing. When you make it up in your mind, your zeal, you're going, you're pursuing. Nothing's stopping, not even that brick wall you're going through. You're pursuing it. Your zeal, you're zealous about it. So, so when we look at, at what Paul is talking in this scripture, now we understand zeal is just something where you're passionate with all that's in you. You're pursuing it no matter what. You're enthusiastic about it. When we look at the life of Paul, be, before his conversion, he was, he was zeal. He was zealous about the law so much to the point where, where he, he, he pursued the church to be crucified. He pursued the, the, the people that were following, claiming the name of Jesus. He made sure they were dead, every single one of them, because this is not according to the law. I want to serve God. I love God so much. I love the law, everything about him. We need to follow this to the T. Like he said, he followed it. He had no flaws. He followed it to the point, every single thing. He made sure that those Christians were dead because he thought, and he was zeal about the law. He thought it was the right thing. According to the law, nothing stopped him. He pursued. He went from city to city, country to country. He pursued everybody that claimed the name of Jesus Christ that he was going to kill him. I'm zeal. I'm zealous. I'm zeal. I'm zealous about God that I'm going to do what I need to do. Nothing stopped him. No Christian was going to step in his way. No army was going to step in his way. No other Pharisees were going to step in his way. No other government. He was going to do what God instructed him to do, which was kill, persecute anybody that was worshiping any false god. Is what was in his mind. Paul was so zealous, and now we go over to his conversion. He was so zeal about, zeal about the law, now we get into him being converted, and he was zeal about the law. He pursued the cause of Christ so much that nothing stopped him. You can see in, in, in verse 2, when, when, uh, verse 1 and 2, he's reminding them. Verse 1, he's telling them to, to, to rejoice. He's telling them to, uh, um, where is it? He's telling them to rejoice, and he's telling them, it doesn't bother me to tell you the same thing because I'm so zeal about the things of God, the, about Christ. I, I want you to serve Christ. I want you to be within the body of Christ. I'm so zeal about it. I'm so passionate. I will pursue every single person that I'm going to remind you over and over and over again and it doesn't bother me because I'm zeal about God I want you to to rejoice in the Lord and when he's getting into verse 2 I wondered what, what was Paul talking about when he said when he's naming the dogs the people that that do evil things the evil workers the mutilators what what does that mean the more I began to study and I read that in this time, what Paul was talking about, we got to consider the culture of the time, what he was talking about, the phrase, the, the language. 
when he was saying, let's break that first part down. He said, watch out for those dogs. Some of you guys may have who's been uh, to different states, different countries, different places. You know what I'm talking about. You walk the streets and you see dogs all over the place. You'll see them roaming without a collar, without a leash. The other, I don't remember how long ago, but I was riding down El Mirage coming to the church. And I see a dog almost jump in front of my car. No leash, no collar, no owner. He's just roaming the street. And that's exactly what Paul was talking about. At that time, there was dogs that were just run, roaming around. And he's saying, watch out for those people. He's not talking about literally. This is a figurative speech he's talking. He's saying, watch out for those that walk around, that roam around without a master, that serve no God, that serve no, no master, no Lord. You need to watch out for them. There's a, there's a saying that I live by. Association brings about a simulation. Who you associate yourself with, you'll begin to simulate. You'll begin to imitate. You'll begin to reenact and become. Jesus, he sat with the prostitutes. He sat with the, 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 the I guess you would call them at that time, they were the pimps. They're, he was sat with the drunks. He sat with the tax collectors. He sat with everybody. He didn't care who you were. He sat with you. The thing was, his goal his vision his plan his mission i'm going in there so we can touch we can connect and then i'm going to pull you out over here too many people they go in here they mingle and they find oh it's kind of comfortable it's nice and they stay there paul is saying you can go to the dogs but you better get them with a leash and take them over to the master bring them over to the master you can you can be around them but don't so don't hang out with them. Don't be with them. Don't live with them. Watch out for them. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for those people that have no master because they're going to pull you away from the faith. He was so zeal about the things of God that he reminded them and let them know, watch out for the dogs. And then we get into the next part when he said the evil workers, the, the evil doers. <clears throat> what Paul is saying right here, when he's saying, watch out for those dogs, watch out for the, the evil workers. He's talking about the lukewarm folks. Those people that want to play church. They got one foot in on Sundays, praise Jesus, praise God Almighty. Then on Monday, they go home and they're back to their ways. The ways that don't align with God. He's saying, watch out for those people that want to stand on both sides of the fence. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> He said, watch out for those people that stand on both sides of the fence. Watch out for the lukewarm people. And then we get into the last part that Paul's talking about. Excuse me. <clears throat> and he says, watch out for the mutilators, those who say that um, you must be circumcised to be saved. What is this? What is this phrase that Paul's using? What he's saying is watch out for the religious folks. Watch out for those that have no master. Watch out for those that like to stand on the fence. Now you watch out for those, the Pharisees, that like to, to say that they look the part, they dress the part, they have all the right get up, they say all the right words, but in their heart they're uglier than, they are ugliest people, the ugliest people. He said, watch out for those people. <clears throat> he said, watch out for the religious folks. That's pretty much what he's saying. You watch out for those that have no master. Watch out for those that like to stand on the fence. And watch out for the religious folks. If you're going to serve God, serve God with all your heart, wholeheartedly. Amen. And in Colossians 3.23, that's what he says. He says, whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord and not unto man. 
Serve him with your heart, all that's within you. If you're, if you're serving Christ, serve him with zeal. Serve him zealously, with passionate. Pursue him. Pursue him enthusiastically without being persuaded one way or the other. Pursue him. Watch out for those people. He's telling them. <clears throat> so Paul's getting into that where you can start to see the personality of Paul where he cares so much about the people that he continually reminds them of the same thing. It doesn't bother him. He says, serve God. Serve him. Don't you can bring those people out, but don't follow them. Don't associate with them. And then we get into, uh, where is it at? Verse, <clears throat> verse 18. I know I don't have it. We didn't read it. But when we go down to verse 18, this, for me, this is, I, when I was reading this, I really saw the heart of Paul. I saw how zealous he was, how zeal he was for the people, for the things of God, for Christ. And uh, Philippians, <clears throat> uh, Philippians 3.18, you see his emotions, his heart. He says, for I told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that, you, that there are many who conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. So he's telling them, watch out for those people. Again, the religious folks, the ones that like to put on the show, that like to look the part. He said, I, with tears in his eyes, he's saying that with tears in my eyes, I tell you again, watch out for those people because they're going to pull you away from the faith. You're not going to be serving God with zeal. You're not going to be serving him with all your heart. You're going to be too, too distracted by putting on the show. And we see, we're starting to see the heart of Paul, how he is zeal. He is zeal for God. And, and where does this, this phrase, zeal, the birth of resilient, come from? You see, there's something that I've learned recently. <clears throat> within, within several areas, God has shown me. There's something that I've learned is when there's knowledge, it creates confidence. And with that confidence, it creates action. So what am I trying to say? When there's knowledge of Christ, true, authentic knowledge of Christ, when there's knowledge of Christ, it creates zeal. You have a zeal personality, a zeal character. You are zeal, zealous for Christ. And when you have that within you, what does that do? That creates a resilient individual. No matter what, you are resilient. You withstand whatever comes your way. <clears throat> you, are, you have the characteristic of zeal, and it creates the spirit of resilient where you will not stop whatever, no matter what comes your way, no matter what family member tries to come against you, no matter what uh, um, uh, job tries to come against you, whatever financial situations, whatever you dealt with. Uh, last year, <clears throat> God is saying when you have the characteristic of zeal, it births out a resilient spirit. <clears throat> Paul is demonstrating to us as, as we begin to look at him, he's showing us no matter what he went through, no matter what troubles he went up against, he, was, he had the, the characteristic, the heart of a zeal individual that caused his spirit to be resilient. No matter what, what uh, um, 
politician went against him, no matter what army went against him, no matter what other people, even his own people, his own people, the ones that he called brothers and sisters in Christ, they betrayed him, they gossiped about him, they talked against him. The people that were supposed to have his back, they talked about him. Some people will be uh, um, uh, pulled back. They will be pulled away. Why am I serving God? These people, Paul, he came into to, to the faith later on. And he sees all the apostles, the ones that are supposed to be close uh, friends with him, helpers, confidants with him. They, they're talking about him. They're talking against him. And he's like, man, why did I even do this? If all you're going to, you're telling me to serve Christ and I'm doing that. And now you're, you're saying all this about me. What's the point? He could have gave that up, but no, Paul is so, he, ha, he has such a, a zeal characteristic about him that he had the spirit of a resilient individual. He pushed, he pressed through, he went to city to city, he went from country to country to preach the, the salvation of Christ to anyone and everyone. <clears throat> it didn't matter, even all the, the, not only with his people, but up against everybody else. He went through, through beatings. He went through, he was whipped. He was lashed, similar to the way Christ was. He was, pastor has taught messages about it where Paul, he was beat and the apostles just stood around him. The people that were supposed to have his back didn't. The ones that were supposed to tell him, hey, let me get you up. Let me help you. They didn't. He was there by himself. He was beat almost to death, but he was so resilient. He was so zealous about the things of Christ that he continued. He got up and he went. He went back into the city. He preached. He taught. He brought people into the faith because this man was so resilient. He was zeal about Christ. Paul suffered so much. He suffered. He was persecuted. <clears throat> that it didn't matter. But when I was beginning to, to see all these characteristics of Paul, what caused him? Why was he so zeal? Why was he so uh, resilient about Christ? And I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse, uh, where is it? In verse 7, this, I, I read past it, and I didn't catch it until I began to, to look into the characteristic of Paul in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3. He said, I once thought all these things were valuable. He's talking about his, his uh, um, efforts of righteousness. And he says, I, I thought it was all valuable, but when I consider, um, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Of what Christ has done. Think about that. Some of us, we used to be drunkards. We used to be alcoholics. We used to be uh, drug addicts. We used to be addicted to, um, there's kids I don't want to say, but there, we, we used to be addicted to certain things. Uh, we used to be addicted to certain things. We used to be a part of certain groups that we should not have been a part of. Think about that. You were stuck in your mess. You were stuck in your dark place. You dealt with depression. You, some people dealt with suicide. Some people tried to, to, to commit it. Some people got to that point where they, they either took some medication, they took a weapon or something like that. They dealt with suicide. They dealt with depression, put themselves in a very, very dark place. You were in a dark place, whether it was your addiction or it was your mental state. You think about what Christ has done. He came, he came off of his throne from heaven, came to earth, bared human flesh, 
to be like us so he can be beaten for us and he could be crucified and then he could be resurrected so that we may have a second chance. Think about that. Paul saying, what I did, no matter what I did, my, my obedience to the law, as flawless as it was, it's still not going to make heaven my home. It's still not enough. It's still not enough. I consider it worthless because what Christ has done is more than enough that I need. So when, when we look at that, what Paul is saying right there, he considers it all worthless because what Christ has done. That right there, that is what created a zeal characteristic in him and created a resilient spirit. He was resilient because of what Christ has done. He's done, Paul's saying, he's done too much for me to just sit here, to just sit here with the gift. I need to go out there. I need to tell all nations, all people, all tongues of all languages, everybody in the world needs to know about this salvation. They need to know. He said, because I can't do it on my own. I try to do it on my own. Even, even as, as flawless as I was, I still couldn't do it. It still wasn't enough. God loves me so much that he came to this earth and he died for me. That's what caused Paul to be so resilient. He was zeal about Christ because of what he's done for us. Everything, like I, like I said earlier in Colossians 3.23, that is my favorite scripture because everything is reverted back to Christ. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord and not unto man. Because he tried doing it unto man. He tried pleasing by, by doing right by the law, but it wasn't. It wasn't. He tried doing right, but it wasn't enough. It's worthless. Paul says it's, he considers it garbage. It's trash. It means nothing. So everything he did was heartedly unto Christ. It was unto God because God was the only one that can save him. God was the only one that can redeem him. The Bible says to not fear the one that can kill the body, but fear the one that can kill your body and your soul. And that is why he was resilient because he was zeal about the things of Christ. He pursued Christ. Everything was for Christ. It created a resilient spirit in him that caused him to be zeal. <clears throat> the, the characteristic of zeal birthed out a resilient spirit. And he tells us, if we go to Philippians chapter, chapter 2, he says, not, sorry, let me back up a little bit. Let me go to... Uh, <clears throat> Where is it at? <clears throat> In uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1. Very short verse. <clears throat> and this is what Paul tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, uh, he says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Imitate me. Because I pursue Christ. I'm resilient for Christ. I'm zeal about Christ. Pursue and why, why, why do you need to follow me? Why do you need to imitate me? And then now we're going to go to John 14. John 14. Sorry. 
John 14, verses 6 and 7, he says, why do you need to pursue Christ? Why do you need to, to, to be resilient for him? Because although Paul was flawless, he had the law down he, without any, any, any smudge. He had his T's crossed, his I's dotted. He said, although I did what I did, it still wasn't enough. Imitate me now because of this. Jesus, he's telling, uh, uh, who is it, Thomas. He's telling Thomas, <clears throat> he says, I am the way. He said, I am the truth and I am the life. The only way we can find the way, the true way, is through Christ. The only way we can discover the truth is through Jesus. The only way we can receive life from our, 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 <clears throat> our sinful nature <clears throat> is through Jesus. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me. If you, wanna, if you want, back in that time before Jesus came, the only way you can talk to God is if you gave a message to the, the high priest. You say, can you, come, can you tell God this? Can you let him know this situation? Can you this, that, the other? You, you would talk to the high priest. But now Jesus is saying, if you want to talk to God, stop going to the high priest. Start coming to me because that is the way. He said, no one goes through the Father except through me. The high priests don't go through the Father and the holies of holies anymore. They have to come through me. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and then Paul, uh, Jesus is saying in verse 7, <clears throat> he said, if you had really known me, if you truly known me, we had that relationship. You knew me authentically. Not just my name, where I live, my, my parents, my siblings, anything like that. None of that surface information, none of my bio. <clears throat> but he says, if you really know me, you, <clears throat> you would know who my father is. <clears throat> for now, for, from now on, you, <clears throat> excuse me, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. He's telling, Paul is, is telling us, follow, follow me, imitate me, be resilient for Christ, be zeal for Christ, because I pursue Christ, I imitate Christ, because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and I can only speak to the Father, I can only see the Father only through Jesus. <clears throat> and then this is, this is where Paul tells us something in Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> now, Paul, he's beginning to, to follow. He's saying, imitate me because I'm following, I'm pursuing, I'm zeal, I'm resilient for Christ. And, and what Paul is imitating is Christ. And I love what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5. <clears throat> we'll be starting in verse 5. And Paul says, <clears throat> oh, let me change my, my version I'm going to be reading from the comment in the Christian Standard Bible because I love the way it's written, the way Paul is saying. He said, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. The same attitude that Christ had, the same attitude Jesus had, adopt it, take it on. He said, <clears throat> Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, he was God and he was man in one. He was the same, 100% God, 100% man. He said, although he was that, he didn't consider himself equal. He, cons 
he who existed in the form, did not consider equal with God as <clears throat> something to be exploited. So he could have walked around and said, hey, I'm Jesus Christ, your Savior. I'm also God, the one that formed the heavens and the earth. I spoke it all into existence. Hey, I'm Jesus. I'm God. No, he considered himself below. He, he humbled himself. And, then, and Paul is saying instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he, had, <clears throat> when he had come as of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. He could have said, no, I'm God. I'm not going to die for you guys. But he was so humbled. Christ, he humbled himself, did not consider himself equal to God. He came in the form of a servant. Although he was 100% God, 100% man, he said, I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you to the point of death. That I'm going to bear that cross. I'm going to bear those beatings on my back. I'm going to bear those punchings to my face. I'm going to let my beard get ripped off for you. I'm going to let people spit on my face so that you don't have to have that. So your life can be made new. That it could be made whole. You might find redemption in him. Salvation in him. He said that he was humbled to the point of death. He was obedient to the point of death. And even to the death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name above all names, above every name. So that, <clears throat> so that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, what every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. He said, pursue Christ as I do. Imitate me because this is what Jesus did. Although he was God in flesh, he did not consider himself that. He considered himself a servant. He, pursu <clears throat> he pursued you. He pursued you. He served you. He came and washed his servant's feet. Peter, he said, master, don't wash my feet. I'm not worthy of that. But he said, if you don't let me, then you cannot partake of me. I come to serve you. Now you go serve others. Serve others. Be resilient for my name's sake. Jesus is saying, have the characteristic of a zeal individual. Nothing will stop you. Be resilient. Be humble. <clears throat> Another individual... <clears throat> Another individual that God wants us to take a look at, another individual that was, that had that, that was resilient, that was zeal for God before Paul is Joshua. Joshua, that man, he was around when, when the older generation had to go through the wilderness and die off. He saw their personalities. He saw their characteristics. He saw their flaws. And he made it up in his mind. He was zeal. He, was, he had a fervent mind that I'm going to pursue God. Because I saw what they did. I saw their mistakes. I saw the punishment that God gave to them. And I saw what God brought us out of. Not only were they punished. And, and, I, and I'm having that... Joshua isn't trying to let us know uh, he was afraid of, Paul, of God 
in the form of fear, of scared, but he was saying, I also feared God in a form of reverence. I was in awe of God, seeing him perform the miracles in the wilderness. I was in awe of God, seeing manna come from heaven, water spring from a rock, continuing to be our provider, our shoes they never wore out. To see everything, to see all that, to hear God talk from, from the mountaintop. To see all that, he was a, a zeal individual. He was a resilient individual because of all that. He said, I'm not going to make the same mistakes as, as my, my uh, generations before did. And now this is what um, Joshua, he's telling the people, the ones that are going to go into the promised land. He's telling them in uh, Joshua 24, uh, verses uh, 14 and 15. He challenges them. He says, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him sincerely and truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. He said, verse 14, he said, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him sincerely and worship him in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Put those away. Do not pick up the bad habits that your ancestors made. Don't pick up those bad habits. Don't worship other idols. Don't worship other gods. Don't backbite. Don't murmur. Don't question God because you saw what God did. Now let's go into the promise which God has given unto us. He said, serve him. Serve the Lord. And in verse 15, he said, if it seems evil to serve the Lord, if you think it's evil, if you think it's bad, and he says right here, choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether you serve the gods of which your, your fathers, your ancestors served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites and the land which we dwell in. He said, you can do that. If it's evil, serve those gods. Fine, whatever. Make your decision. But don't be standing on the, fin on the fence. Make your decision. Choose those gods. <clears throat> And then Joshua finishes verse 15 by saying, But as for me, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's telling them, if you want to serve the other gods, you can stay behind. But we're serving. Come on, let's go. Those that want to serve God, we're serving. We're going to be resilient. We're going to be zeal for God. We're going to pursue God. No matter what enemies come up against us, Joshua's letting us know that. <clears throat> we're going to serve God. He says, serve him with all your heart. <clears throat> Jesus. Something that God is teaching me in my, I'm pulling away a little bit from my notes. God is teaching me within my study, within prayer. Although we come, speakers, we come with a, a message. It could be outlined or whatever. Something he's been teaching me is we need to pull away from it sometimes. The preacher, the teacher, is their intent is not to deliver a pre-planned message, but it is to deliver a message from God. God may have spoke to the individual in their prayer closet, but God should speak during the message. So like I said, I'm going to take my time. 
I just, I feel it in my spirit, something. I don't know what it is, but there's something. Let's be sensitive to the spirit of God, whether God is speaking to you right now in your heart and in your mind. Be sensitive. In the book of Numbers, chapter 30, <clears throat> book of Numbers, chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. This is Moses talking to the people in the wilderness. <clears throat> He's telling, he says, verse 1, that Moses spoke to the head of the tribes concerning the children of Israel. He's telling all the leaders, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. When you hear something like that, your ears better be wide open because this came from the mouth of God. And Moses was in a position where he spoke directly to God. He saw the backside of God. So what God spoke, it was audible. Just like you're hearing me, it was audible. So when God said something to Moses, it better be done. When, God, when Moses said something to the people, it better be done. So he said, this is what the Lord has commanded. If you make if a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceed out of his mouth. So if you, like Joshua said, serve the gods of your ancestors or serve God, if you committed in yourself, whenever you chose to commit yourself to God, whenever you got baptized, whenever you gave your life over to God, and if you're deciding to give your life over to, to Jesus, commit yourself. There, there's, there's a lot of things going on right now in this time where we deal with, you can break a contract, you can break a situation, you can, for example, you can live with someone and there, there be no uh, uh, stipulations, like you don't have to be married, you don't, there's no agreement, if, if I don't like you or you don't like me, we don't um, um, agree on a subject or a point, we can go our separate ways. But God is saying, there needs to be some commitment. There needs to be, when, when you say it, let it be so. Let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. If you commit yourself to Christ, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what people are telling you, keep your oath, keep your vows, serve the Lord, serve God. Be resilient for God. As I come to a close. <clears throat> <clears throat> Paul, I hope we're getting the picture today, what Paul is trying to teach us, what, Paul is, what, what, what God is teaching us through Paul, of what an individual spirit looks like when they're resilient, when, when, they, when, they ha when they are zeal about the things of God. We need to be zeal for Christ. We need to be zeal for following Christ. We, our church is planted in a community that, that need Christ. And, and I'm not talking about just because their situation, whatever it is that they're dealing with, it don't matter if you're rich, it don't matter if you're poor, it don't matter if you're the, the spotless individual according to, 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 to records, or if you got a, a rap sheet that's the size of a, a laundry list. It don't matter what your, your background is. Everyone needs 
Christ. Because the only way we get to God, the only way we can make salvation, I mean, the only way we can gain salvation is through our faith in Christ. Everyone needs Christ. And like we read every uh, uh, verse, um, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone needs him. Everyone does. I need him every day. There's people in our houses that need him. There's people in our community, our next door neighbors, people we talk to, we associate with. And it's sad to say that some of us don't even tell them about what Jesus has done. It doesn't have to be something miraculous like, oh, he put money in my account. Like everybody, we don't, we don't need this materialistic testimony. All you need to say is, you know what? I was on my way to hell, but Jesus came onto this earth to take my sins, to be washed away by his blood that I may be whole. And you can have that too. It's not reserved for just me. You can have it too. We need to be resilient. We need to be zeal, have the characteristic of a, a zeal individual. We need to be zealous for Christ, to tell people, to touch people, their hearts. We need to be the, the connection. And how is that going to happen? Like I said earlier, it's through the true, authentic, real knowledge of Christ. And I'm not talking open up the Bible, reading a couple of verses. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about prayer. That the moment of silence, like I was talking about in the beginning of the service, where you're just silent. Have you, have you ever experienced true silence? Anybody? I, I, for the first time in my life, my wife took me to the place, uh, what is it, Snowball, right? Snowball. We went, we're going up a mountain, and, and it's, it's like for skiers. So we're going up there. We hear the people laughing and all this stuff. We start going up higher, higher. And there's nothing around us. Just trees, just grass, just rocks. Nothing around us for, for some miles. Nothing. And I'm not even kidding. I like my ears. I felt like something was wrong because I've never in my life experienced silence like this before. There was, it was, I can't even explain it. It was the craziest, weirdest feeling, but then it brought me awe. Because at that moment, God showed me, sometimes this is what your prayer closet needs to be like. Silence. Because you get too caught up in trying to say all the right words. You get too caught up in, in, in feeling certain things. <clears throat> I'm sorry. God's leading me to a scripture right now. book of Ecclesiastes. Now I'm just going to share this. This is what God put on my heart right now. Book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses, I believe it's 1 through 2 or 3. And it says, this is the King Solomon, the wisest king that lived aside from Jesus. He said, walk prudently, walk carefully when you go into the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they do, for they do not know that they do evil. And he goes on to say, do not be 
rash with your mouth. Don't be so quick. Don't be so uh, um, rash. Don't be quick. Don't be instant to say something, to speak something to God. Don't be quick to doing that. And he said, let your let not your heart utter anything hesitantly before God. Don't hesitate. Don't be so quick to say things where you're hesitating. And he says, for God is in heaven. Remember that. God is in heaven and you are on earth. There's a difference in location and destination. God is up here and we're down here. And we need to remember that. Sometimes we go in there thinking that we're God. God, this is what's going on. This is my agenda. This is what's happening in my life. Solve it. All right, cool. Later. God is saying, he's in heaven and you are on earth. Come to him. Approach him that way. And he said, let your words be few. For a dream comes through for a dream comes through many activities and fool and a fool's voice is known by his many words so God led me to that scripture because he's saying when you come into prayer sometimes you need to just let your words be few because he's in heaven and he's saying I've been trying to talk to you I've been trying to do something in your life I've been trying to say something but you're too busy speaking whether your words uttering things or your heart is so quick to 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 feel something your mind is running a million and one miles an hour that you are so distracted that you do not hear anything let your words be few and when we have that relationship with Christ that prayer closet you will begin to know Christ and through that knowledge that relationship the knowledge of Christ will create a zeal character and out of that zeal character it will birth and create a resilient individual a resilient individual that will pursue Christ the cause of Christ the salvation of Christ winning of souls touching people for the sick the the weary the depressed, the confused. Knowledge of Christ creates zeal. Zeal creates resilient spirit. God is showing us through Paul, his characteristic, through, through the personality, the life that Paul lived. Everything about him was resilient because he possessed a zeal characteristic for the things of God, no matter what. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. There's times, and I'll be transparent, there's been times in my life where I get embarrassed to to, to say, this is what Jesus has done for me. Or just to mention Jesus, like, man, they're they're too caught up in in their lifestyle that I, I can't say it. I'm kind of embarrassed. But think about it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel because although they're caught up in their situation, that's a momentarily situation that they're enjoying, loving, and living. That's going to send them to hell and that blood is on your hands. The blood is on my hands. We need to be zeal. We need to be resilient for Christ and tell people. Just let the Spirit lead you. Let the Spirit guide you what to say, how to say. He will set up a situation. There's many times where God sets up situations, but we are so distracted that we're not seeing it.
Everybody, let's just bow our heads right now. Be sensitive to the Spirit. Be sensitive to the voice of God right now. God has called us to be resilient, but the only way we're going to experience a resilient spirit is if we are zeal for Christ. What areas have we been lacking in? Some of us need to repent for our areas. Some of us need to ask for forgiveness of certain areas that we've been slipping because Christ did so much for us and we treat this half-heartedly. We say, thank you for the money in my account. Thank you for the car I drive. Thank you for the food in my belly. And we go our way instead of the way of Christ. He gave you all those things to be of service for his people. We need to be resilient. We need to be zeal for the things of Christ. God is calling us. He's calling us to be zeal. Choose this day who you will serve. And when you choose, do it wholeheartedly unto God and not unto man. Pastor.